running through me It's in my blood I see the deception in front of me The whiskey, liquid courage I feel my disease running through me It's in my brain Seduction in front of me The crazy white lines of cocaine Oh sweet Lord Won't you help me Won't you help me To rise above Oh sweet Lord I need your infinite wisdom Your power I need your Hello and welcome to this edition of the Wispy Mob Music Acoustic Radio Podcast Series. I'm your host, Todd, middle initial C, Walker. Yes, that's right. It's me, and I feel also. I don't know 
if you were doing what I've been doing while listening, I've been tapping my foot the whole time and my <laughs> left knee's been going up and down. And we've been listening to the song I Feel, which is off of Michelle Swan's newest CD or a collection of music songs, whatever you want to call it. And I have her on the phone right now. Michelle, how, hi, how are you? I'm so uh, good. I'm well, Todd. It's great to uh, talk to you and hear you. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm super happy to be here. So thank you for that. And I was dancing, actually. It feels good to dance <laughs> to a song of my own. Well, you know, I don't it's think a, ever happened. It's a very catchy song. It is. It is. It's got that kind of choo-choo train beat to it, which always uh, is fun. And then, uh, yeah, I'm, it's, it's, a, it's a fun song. I'm, I'm proud of that one. I am. And I, re- I wouldn't call it really a country song, but it has a little bit of a country flavor to it. <laughs> yeah, my dad actually called me and he said, so you're doing country now? Because <laughs> <laughs> he listened to the first song on the CD and I said, Dad, listen to the rest of it. It's, it's You know who I am. He knows who I am. But yeah, he thought it was kind of country-ish, and it is. I, I, I never heard it that way, but other people have, and I've had a different perspective on it now. <laughs> so it's released this year, 2020. Yeah, um, in theory. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been a, an odd year thus far. I think we can all agree on that. Yes, it has. Uh, very uh, unusual. So, uh, no, I, I mean, I haven't really. Um, I mean, I've released it, and uh, I have, uh, you know, mailed some CDs out to, to folks and uh, – um, uh, gotten it out there digitally. Um, but you know, I just never had a chance to sell it at a show. Uh, so, but I will, um, it's coming, I'm telling you. So, uh, the CD release parties were, where there's one more August 23rd at Jam and Java, but we have a feeling that's probably going to get canceled too. So, uh, you know, um, roll with the punches and, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I can, doesn't stop me from playing. <laughs> well, how many cuts are on the CD? There are this is, there are 10 on this one. Yeah. This is a, uh, I think all of my CDs have 10, maybe one has 11, but yeah, this is just 10 tunes on this. They're all original. Well, this is just a suggestion. Since, it, since it is difficult to perform and do CD release parties and so forth. And you and I were chatting off mic earlier about how some of the wineries and the breweries are starting to host live music outdoors. Um, yeah. starting as, as early as this coming weekend, which would be the, the 5th and 6th. Yes, the, um, heard. But since there are not going to be many coffee houses or places inside, give it some thought. Maybe we could do a CD release party on the show. On and the show? On this show. Well, that's cool. And we could, <laughs> we could, you could explain and introduce each song and we'd play it and then we'd chat about it. And maybe we wouldn't have time for all 10, but we could do, say, six or seven. Just oh, a thought. A Throw it out idea. there. I will, th- I will swirl that around. Thank you. What a cool idea. I had not thought of that. So, Well, uh, tell me, stuff. how long has it taken you to put together these 10 songs? Um, you know, some of them are... Uh, several years old um and i think that's sort of as a songwriter you understand you've got songs that you pull out and uh you might start playing again or um or you've just been playing them for years and you just never recorded them um so they're really um uh, the only the only one that is uh, most current with uh, this uh, is a song called uh, you missed me but i even wrote that a couple of years ago um so but most of them are you know, could be five, between five and 10 years old. Um, well, what brought you to the point where, and maybe it was, you finally had 10 that you felt happy with. What was it that uh, 
got you to gave you that push to record these and release them my my fans <laughs> you know i had people just bugging me it's like you haven't recorded that one yet it's been five years you know that kind of thing and uh and it's yeah i mean i realized i had enough songs and enough you know want uh for for a uh for a record so i'm um you know and it was goodness gracious 16 years in the making i think it was 16 years yeah it was the last cd came out 16 years ago 2004 um, i think yeah yeah uh yeah so uh it was time and um and i was uh you know i felt um happy with all of them and i had ideas for production and i knew who i wanted to work with and uh, it just it felt right um and uh, and a an opportunity a financial opportunity presented itself <laughs> <laughs> the most important part yes it is it's it's uh it's a pretty penny it is um worth every penny but um yeah it's not cheap um to do it, to do it right but um yeah when you say you had finally gotten to the point where you knew what you wanted in production did you arrange them before even going into the studio or did you just have like a, an idea and then you bump you know bounced it off of the the engineer when you got there and you kind of had a collaboration? Yeah, I think a, a mix. Um, and that's the way it's been ever since I've worked with Marco Delmar. He's a uh, works out of uh, Arlington. He's got recording art studios, his place. And, um, you know, you, you start with, uh, you know, uh, a guitar and a, a vocal and um, some cool lyrics and uh, you start layering. And I, cause I, I, once I hear it, uh, a track recorded, um, then I start hearing other instruments once he starts, um, you know, we'll, we write it down what we kind of hear, but then things change as we're, uh, as we're layering. Um, it's like, wow, I really hear this. Uh, I really hear a spoon. I really, I mean, uh, we heard, uh, there's a song called Drink Like a Lady and we heard a, uh, like a teaspoon hitting uh, a, a wine glass. And so we actually did that and it sounded really cool, but um but Marco, you know, he actually, there were a couple of tunes where he said, you know, I'm really hearing this chord progression. Um, uh, and that's, I feel like that's what your fans want to hear. And that's just sort of the way you're, and I think he was pointing a little more towards the poppy side um, on a couple of these tunes. And, uh, um, but he, I, he always, uh, he's always got great ideas. So I tried it. I was like, wow, I do like that better. So yeah, it's a, it's a, um, a labor of uh, two, two, two parts uh um building the song i think um if you if you if you know what i'm talking about with a producer and a performer so he makes it easy though now do you record like a scratch track first both guitar and vocal and then you start work from there or do you actually perform the song and that becomes the bed and then you add to it yeah um it, it, it's um, the first record the first two records, I think we just tracked everything on this um, record. I really, and I think some of it's maturing as a musician um, and honing skills like um, uh, dynamics in your voice and your guitar. Um, you know, I used to just play the hell out of my guitar, just beat on it with a pick. <laughs> and as I've gotten, as I've matured, I've learned how to like, you know, uh, really just work on the dynamics of all of that. I think uh, that, uh, that has uh, lent itself to live performances more. So we did two songs live on this record um, without a click track, um, and uh, which is challenging if you want to bring other instruments in. Um, and, uh, uh, and the rest of the songs are tracked. Uh, we would lay down a guitar track first and then um, 
a bass and then put some drums. Um, I guess usually the drums go before the bass, yes. <laughs> um, but mostly tracking is, is in the uh, long, uh, long answer to your question, um, except for two songs. And I did the two songs live because uh, they, they evoke such emotion, um, the, the story and uh, singing it. And I just, I couldn't capture it, tracking it. Um, uh, that was just my feeling. Um, so I wanted to capture the emotion, if that well, makes sense. No, it does. And you're not alone in that. Yeah. The I find, and I don't record that much. I love it, but I hate it, if you know what I mean. <laughs> the Because of the preciseness that you have to have. And sure. if the engineer, if, if the engineer is a good one or a producer, whoever, if they're working you know, together or if they're one and the same person, if they're good, they will let us know that we're off key. Right. Or that we're behind Absolutely. the beat and we're supposed to be on the beat, whatever it is. And that is difficult because what it does for me, I don't know if it does for you, is it everything constricts. Mm -hmm. And that's sure. because... Everyone's sharp. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's but, sharp, yeah. So, so do you enjoy the recording process or is it a love-hate type of a situation? Uh, I, I very much enjoy the recording process. The mixing, it just shoot me now. <laughs> <laughs> Please, put me out of my misery. I don't know why I don't just, you know pay him and then come in five minutes before the session is over when he's mixing, because that's hard. Um, just, you know, hearing your voice completely naked, all of its foibles and, you know, true humility voice, like this is it, this is it. Um, and then, uh, you know, it's, it's good, but you have to, uh, you know, he, he, uh, we are, I'm making myself sound like, uh, uh, he fixes it everything he doesn't but it's you know sometimes it's hard to hear your voice just solo without music on top of it um and they have to get all the tonalities correct you know the the mids the lows the highs so you hear your voice a lot and you get tired of hearing your voice when they're mixing it's a lovely voice but yeah yeah i, I know you understand what i'm talking about I, I do and the average person who has never performed either live or in the studio for them the equivalent would be hearing their recorded voice for the first time on like a little cassette player back in the day or whatever and going, yeah, that's not me. It sounds weird. Yeah. yeah, because it doesn't sound the way we, when we're speaking, you know, you and I are used to hearing ourselves. So yes, oh, that's my voice. But when mm -hmm. you've never heard it recorded coming back and hitting the front of the ears, um, you know, we, we have the whole vibration of the head. It is disconcerting. Yeah, I, I didn't think about that. You know, I do now that I think about it. The the first time I might have heard my voice, it was odd. So, but so that's probably most people that don't sit there and listen to their voice the way that we do. You're right. It's interesting my perspective. But you have a wonderful voice, and it is a very successful voice in that you've been performing in the greater D.C., Baltimore, Frederick. I kind of put those three cities as like the the points of the triangle. D.M.V. And, right. <laughs> yep. And the uh, but you're. If I recall, you were the very first performer at the Frederick Coffee Company, weren't you? I think I was. Um, I, and, yeah, well, Ruth Lamoth had uh, owned the place, um, and this was back in 98? I think probably, thinking, yeah. I think in 98, yeah. Um, and uh, she uh, eventually sold it. But, yeah, I, I don't I, – I think she actually suggested, why don't you play some music here? And uh, that's kind of how I got started. Um, I honestly, it was so long ago. Um, I know that I played solo, but I don't remember how things, because I moved from Frederick uh, two years later. 
Uh, so I'm, I can't quite tell you how things took off, but clearly it did because, you know, um, there were other places I'm sure that had live music at that time, but that's the acoustic coffee shop that I know of up there. And it's blossomed all through Frederick, thanks to you and fame and so many people that support it. Um, it's just, uh, it doesn't, I have to say Frederick does not have, um, uh, well, I'm, I should say Frederick has some things that we don't have down here in Northern Virginia, um, just in regards to um, the community, I think, uh, the music community and how much it, uh, you know, works at getting people out playing. I just, I haven't found it here and I live here. It's kind of sad. Maybe I should move back to Frederick. Everyone keeps telling me that. <laughs> well, we... I love Northern Virginia, but it's, it's, it's hard to find shows here. So, well, we would uh, love to have you be closer. The, um, yeah, yeah, that's a, it's always a possibility. You never know. You well, never know. And it, the decision centers around where your day job is. Yes, exactly. Um, I do have a day job. Now, what is, and, what, uh, what do you do? What's your, your daytime career? I work for a, uh, uh, well, I work for Anderson Windows. Um, oh, okay. I, I can say that it's a podcast. I can say whatever I want, right? Sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a, a you know famous window company that's been around for over a hundred years, and uh, I'm proud to work for them and uh, have been successful. Fifteen year career so far, or I think I'm in my fifteenth year. But um, yeah, it's a it's a good company, and um, I did try uh, music full time uh, back in uh, the early 2000s, actually when I left uh, Frederick, I came to Northern Virginia. Um, and uh, worked uh, probably four years as a full-time musician. I just couldn't couldn't swing it. So uh, so I got a job. And not that music music is not a job, but I had to get it. Um, you know, I had to get a career. So I did music on the side. Um, but yeah, and I've I've been lucky um, through this uh, uh, this uh, st strange times that we're in right now with my job too. I am still. Uh, so happily working and grateful because I know a lot of people are not, and that's a, that's a struggle. Um, well, let's go back in, in time. Yeah. The How old were you when you first started enjoying music of any kind? Oh, wow. Um, I would probably say I, w I had to have been, you know, first probably five. Um I know that uh, our da my dad's a singer, um, and he always sang to us uh, when we were growing up. He played guitar. He had a big old country western Vox, which is this just ginormous guitar, especially in a five-year-old's eyes. Um, but it's still large. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he still has that guitar, um, and uh, uh, yeah, he played for us. And uh, and they, my parents, just listened to just all all types of music, and I was ex exposed to it uh, live and uh, you know LPs. Um, and we were just a very musical family. Um, a lot of it's a lot of music, a lot of music in the Swan family on my dad's side, and some on my mother's side. So it's a, I think it's a partially genetic thing, um, uh, and just uh, ex exposure. And we were um, fortunate to be exposed to everything. Um, now, brothers and sisters. Yes. Yeah, I have a um, a, a younger brother uh, who's younger than I and he's in Baltimore his name is Steven and he's a full-time musician he's a saxophone player um, actually pretty much all the woodwinds but uh, he's uh, he 
has been doing this full time his whole life. He's never uh, really worked um, as anything else. And then I've got an older brother, Dean. Excuse me, I'm taking a sip of coffee. Um, he's down in Florida. Um, never really played much music. He was a trumpet player in high school, but gave that up. And uh, and my sister, I don't think of her as being musical, but I had a sister who passed a uh, number thirty some years ago, and she's got a song about her actually on my first record. Um, and uh, so that, that that's the siblings. Well, it says on your website that you were introduced to the guitar by your dad at the age of nine, or mm-hmm. probably thereabouts. The what was it when he introduced it to you? Was it like, oh, dad, I don't want to play your instrument, or was it, oh, cool? <laughs> um you know i can't remember uh i mean i do remember when he bought me a guitar um but i never had when i first started playing it when i was nine i played his and uh there are there are pictures of me um playing this vox and it's just i don't even know how i got my little teeny skinny arms around that thing to play but i did um (laughs) And so I was still his guitar, and um, I think he he just taught me three chords, um, and the the easy ones, and uh, yeah, I took an interest in it, and would you know just learn some really simple songs, and uh, eventually he bought me a guitar, um, and I'm completely self-taught. I've never taken a lesson. Um, I mean, other than him so, showing yeah. you some chords and and things like yeah, that. Yeah, and. Th- yeah, and then you, uh, I mean, you know, I would watch him. Um, uh, you learn other chords. Um, I, I was there was certainly no internet back then, um, so I, but I didn't. I must have just learned from him. And then, um, well, you know, there's chord charts and books. My dad had tons of the music books, like with James Taylor songs and Judy Collins songs and Joan Baez. You know, he had all the music books uh, that had all the guitars, uh, chords, and lyrics. So I would learn through those too because it had the fingering um yeah actually judy collins was one of my first songs i ever played uh it was a song actually that joan baez wrote but um that was the first song that i learned to play and yeah i knocked it out of the park i still play that song sometimes now what is the song it's called song for david mm-hmm. um, yes and it's uh yeah and judy collins does it on the whales and nightingales album um it's a song about a conscientious objector which was joan baez's husband and, I, he went to and, jail for that. And, and she sang that i think when she performed at the weinberg a year and a half ago yes. i'm pretty sure oh cool oh wow i'm so sorry i missed that I and then her son that. played percussion for her which blew me away oh uh, what a wonderful oh i'm so sorry i missed that I'm, and uh does he play with her i I, I don't plays, know if he plays, plays regularly instrument. or whether he was just doing it for that particular tour, but he sat as mm-hmm. you're watching, looking at the stage, he was off to the right-hand side, not really well lit. You know how that happens? Uh-huh. They're focusing on, of course, the main performer. Sure. And I kept thinking, gosh, whoever this percussionist is, it's really terrific. He had you know, uh-huh. the, the, the djembe and the, you know, the, all those things. He didn't have a full kit. And I'm right. thinking, really good. And at some point she goes, oh, and this is my son, Dave. Oh. I don't know what his name is, but this is my son over here playing percussion. I was like, whoa. <laughs> That's so neat. That so was a go- proud moment for her. Now, going back to those books with the chord shapes, mm-hmm. do you remember, because you're very proficient on the guitar, it looks effortless when you mm-hmm. when I watch you play. Do you remember a time seeing new chords and going, 
I'll never be able to get this. <laughs> yeah, and I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not gonna. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'm um, I'm called the capo queen. Um, and it's, you know, maybe it's lazy. Um, there's, I might be proficient in some styles. Um, and I, you know, the, the hammering and that sort of flat picking, um, and all that I learned from my father. Um, but my, you know, my chord progressions are not, I don't think they're anything. Uh, I mean, they're, I don't think they're simple, but they, some of them are simple actually. Um, so I'm not, you know, I don't do a lot of jazzy, uh, chords. So I, I do remember saying, I would never play a bar chord. I'll start with that. And I did, you know, um, <laughs> you know, the A minor or the, 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 uh, the A minor uh, barred up one uh, B minor, mm -hmm. you know, and I, um, and I avoided it. So, uh, but eventually you just had to, because you, you know, you had to learn the Indigo Girls song when they came out in the eighties, you got that book and you had to learn all of those songs. And there were a lot of B minors in that, but yes, I do. I do remember that. Um, and, uh, like I said, truth, truth be told, I still don't do a ton of bar chords. I just use a capo. Well, you know, the, the, the builders of capos love you and, and musicians like yourself and myself. <laughs> the, our good friend Scott Barrett does mm -hmm. play lots of bar chords. He does. And he's if a good you, guitar player. Yeah, he is. And if you watch him, if he's playing for, say, two hours, about an hour and a half in, he'll finish a song. You'll see that left hand be shaking off to the left. Uh -huh. because it cramps up. Absolutely. So the yeah. fact that you use a capo, and it's it's not shameful, I use one all the time, mm -hmm. and I'm trying to remember who I was watching a YouTube of recently, terrific guitar player, and I was surprised how many of the songs in that YouTube, it was a YouTube of a concert, and how many of the songs that person used a capo because they're known as a, a guitar player. Mm -hmm. So it's not a bad thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, it's funny. My, my producer sort of makes fun of me, but also he doesn't like it because it does change the sound of, of your guitar, um, the tone. And you would know that, um, you know, you're a, a guitar aficionado in my eyes. And, um, but when you put that cable on, you know, when I, I just bought a Gibson and, uh, you know, when I, uh, when I play it with no capo, it just rings a lot differently than uh, when you're using a capo. It does. It does. Yeah. But that can be a good thing in a performance, especially in my estimation, especially if you are a solo performer, because it it doesn't sound like the same guitar all the way through the evening. Mm -hmm. if that's that, true. That's that's that, that's nice. It, it adds um, dynamics. Complexities. Yeah, dynamics and all that. To use good a word point. that I wouldn't normally use, but people say, hey, that's a good word. You should put more dynamics in your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a nice mix, though. It mixes it up. It's very true. So what Gibson did you, which model did you purchase? I got the, uh, the J45, but a cutaway, because um, I, I like the cutaways. And uh, yeah, I played probably, I don't know, six guitars for about two hours at Guitar Center, and uh and settled on this one, and I just kept coming back to it. It's got this gorgeous walnut back to it. Oh, that's a great, um, yeah. Yeah, like a triangle. It's uh, it's just really, really special. Um, but yeah, um, and I'm, uh, I bought it, um, you know, uh, this year, so I haven't really had a chance to play it out much. <laughs> but I'm more, so I'm breaking it in. How's that? Now, which guitar did you have it in in time to uh, 
record with it or were you using your Martin? No, I use my Martin for the, uh, and that's, yeah, I, I would really love to record with this. And actually, um, and that's probably a question that you're getting to, but, uh, I'm almost thinking about going back in and doing an EP. I know that's crazy, but I've got so many new songs. It's not um, crazy at all. <laughs> I've, I wrote a lot, I've written a lot in the past few months, so uh, it's good. It's, 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 um, it's really, um, uh, been so important a lifesaver to me so now speaking of guitars what was the that first guitar the one your dad bought you mm -hmm. what, that was what, a seagull and i still have it, that oh and i remember you playing the seagull i bet you do yeah um yeah and i i, I would bring it out um you know I, I put it away for a while when i got uh the martin because i think i was playing that yeah before yeah um but it's got a crack in it and it's just, it's never been able to stay in tune uh, very well, but I love that guitar. I love that. I love the cedar smell and I could smell it when we first got it. Um, cause it's unfinished. Yeah. They have a uh, very satiny kind of a, a finish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I still have that, uh, that, that guitar. Yep. You know, since I run sound quite often mm -hmm. and I'm a stickler for, trying to get the best sound out of the per the performers I can. Yeah. And I don't mean I'm trying to manipulate them. I'm just mean from a from a sound standpoint on the mixer because I'm a firm believer that if they sound good to the audience and to themselves, especially to themselves, they'll be more yeah. relaxed and, and do a better performance. Absolutely. And you do a great job on sound. Well, thank um, you. But the yeah, reason you I, reason I'm bringing it up was watching or being involved in David Morreale's snafu, Sunday Night All Folked Up for, for many years when mm -hmm. he was running sound, that was in the time period, that would be the early 2000s, where right. many performers, because they were more affordable, seagull guitars were big. And I must admit that almost to a performer, if you had six or eight in that particular performance, and two of them played seagull guitars, they were the two guitars that night that probably sounded the best amplified. Wow. <laughs> now, and the reason for that, I think, is just that uh, Godin or Godin, however you pronounce it, who builds all those, just had a real good handle on sound organically in the guitar. And I think they used LR bags early on, whereas mm -hmm. many of the other uh, manufacturers were just using the cheapest thing they could put in there for pickup because people wanted pickups. That's the only thing I can think of. But, and mm -hmm. you don't see the seagulls around quite as much as you used to, but yes, great sound, mm -hmm. a tank of a guitar. Yeah, indeed. I beat that thing up. <laughs> so you still have that. You still have your Martin. Now you have I your Gibson. Do you have yeah, any other? And I have a guild. I have a guild also. Ah, now is that one from long ago or is that one you purchased fairly recently? Yeah. So this, Oh, you know what? The seagull came. I had the seagull came well before the guild. What am I thinking? Yeah, seagull then the guild, because um, the seagull my dad got me. Then I bought the guild, um, and then uh, and then the Martin, and now the Gibson. Now is the guild? Is it one of the the red D twenty fives? I knew you were going to ask me about the guild. I don't know. That's okay. Oh, it's embarrassing. I don't know. I could open it up. I got it right, I got it right here. It's, uh, <laughs> you must. You know, I'm going to now. You must you have. Hear, a, you can hear it. <laughs> yeah, you must have a music room. Um, it's my dining room. <laughs> I do not have a music room. Oh, well, that's the seagull. 
See, I've got them in different cases too. Yeah, I don't know. But I will let you know about that one. I'll get back to you. <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious because Guild, for the longest time, their one of their biggest sellers was a D25, which was their kind of entry-level dreadnought. And one of the most popular colors was red. It's the only reason I oh. asked. Yeah, no. Or and then the they had a lot of black ones too. They, they did. They did. Right. Yep. And I, speaking of that, I was going to ask you, um, who do you think replaced, like you said, seagulls was a real big deal um, at that one time. And I'm now looking at it. This is a D4 ah. model. NT D4 NT. I'm that's, sure a, that's something top dreadnought. Natural top. Oh, natural top. Thank you. See. Yeah, I you think, are the guitar man. Well, I think what they did is they changed their designations, and Taylor was guilty of that. For you know, three you'd you'd buy a Taylor, and it have this you know, so many letters and numbers after it, and you'd you'd go to their website two years later, and you couldn't find your guitars because they changed the numbering system. So I think oh. I think Gil did that probably when they were sold to another parent company, and they came up with a new way of designating things. Yeah, I, interesting. I should. I want to put that in and see how, how it comes up on uh, a Google search. That's interesting. But yeah, I was asking you. Um, I think the breed loves are like the big deal now. Have you? Are you a breed love fan? I was a breed love fan early on in the early two thousands when I first started buying guitars, because they looked so otherworldly to me. Yeah, they had that mustache that bridge. Exotic. Yep, exotic. <laughs> and I owned, gosh, two or three or four of them probably should have kept one or two of them they they weren't the best amplified strumming they were mm. great fingerstyle guitars now the newer ones that have uh, gotten rid of that jld device in them that holds the that the, keeps the top from caving in they've taken that out and gone with more traditional x bracing so they're a little bit stronger so they're they're mm. more of an all-rounder guitar now in okay. fact, the ones that you and I remember, now you pay big bucks for because those are their custom shop guitars, but beautiful guitars, beautiful ones. Mm -hmm. But yeah. you are seeing more breed loves now because of that new turn of events. Yeah, that's a, that's that's what I've, um, I'm picking up on that. I've, I've seen them at a, a, this benefit thing that I did. They actually gave, um, gave away breed love guitars to all of the um, people that were in this workshop workshop song circle um new guitar players so that was pretty exciting for for them all to get a brand new breed love i was almost a little jealous <laughs> well i was going to say you should have yeah. just uh... and house of musical traditions only sells uh, or that's their main instrument you know i mean uh, i'm sorry their main uh, manufacturer now isn't rob hinkle from illy amy isn't he involved in musical tradition house of musical traditions or didn't he used to be i think he worked there for a while i think you're probably right um i don't know Truthfully, I don't, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me, and he probably did, and I probably remember back in the day, but I don't remember now. <laughs> uh, I know that he does uh, If you a lot of online stuff going on right now, and he does sound for uh, the uh, HMTs, the thing that Dave, um, who, uh, the owner, Dave Eisner, puts together a, a songwriting showcase every week, and uh, Rob does the sound for him uh, on this uh, online platform. Well, speaking of sound, what is your live sound setup now? Um, it's really um, not. I'm not a big techie person. I'll let you know that. Um, just not. Uh, I actually have a guy that I work with who's always trying to get me to 
to buy this and try that and come to his studio and look at all this stuff. And I'm just, I'm such a purist. Um, I did get rid of my Bose tower. Um, it's funny. I think we all bought those at the same time <laughs> when they first came out and everyone had a Bose. It was the early 2000s. That's right. Um, yeah. And uh, I actually just uh, a couple of years ago uh, traded that in um, and I got some uh, QSC speakers, um, powered speakers, which I love. Uh, and then I just have a little, uh, very small board, uh, you know, that, that I can carry in one hand, uh, and eat a sandwich with the other. Um, it's <laughs> uh, four channels. Um, you know, it's just, I don't need much. Um, I'm thinking about possibly getting, uh, something that can accommodate more people. Um, because I'm liking, I'm enjoy, enjoying playing with more people these days. Um, strange to say that right now, but I, I have been, uh, working with some other people. Well, you've done two or three shows, maybe more than that, with the Fame Group as being part of an ensemble. I have, yeah. And I think that's probably what ignited, uh, you know, where I'm going now with it. But yeah, I mean, it's, and that's what I, I think I alluded to earlier. I'm um, just saying that there's so much more community up there. Um, and Fame's a big, a big part of, um, you know, uh, supporting that community. Um, but yeah, I did, uh, and, and just singing with, um, Singing with everybody uh, and, and doing, uh, you know, it's sort of my people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, and the music is our music, you know, from, uh, you know, we did the uh, California Dreamin' show, uh, which was just uh, such a blast. And the Beatles, uh, the Beatles won and the One Hit Wonders. Yeah. All these great shows where you get to sing and play with other people. And I just, more than anything right now, I, that's why I'm so excited about uh, playing it, uh, a vineyard this month. I'm so excited about it because um, I'm probably going to invite everybody. Hey, come on stage, do a song. <laughs> Wait, I forget, hold on. Socially distanced, of course, somehow. Yeah. Sorry, I had to go there. Well, that's that's today's world. <laughs> well, at the California Dreaming show, the because uh, I was brought in kind of last minute to to run sound for the the, the performance. I remember, yeah. And the. What struck me, and I should have known this before then, but I had not known until that moment when you walked out on stage with the clarinet that you play the clarinet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. And it's funny. It's something that um, it really doesn't go away. It's like riding a bike. Uh, yeah, it was a, I, I was a very proficient uh, clarinetist back, uh, started probably seventh grade. Um, and... You know, went to all the way to the top to the all-state bands um, through high school, and then I majored in it in college. Uh, and then I dropped out of college, um, and I put my clarinet away, and I picked up my guitar. Uh, never stopped playing the guitar, but it wasn't as fierce uh, as the clarinet was, so it, it took a back burner. And then, uh, but I, I, I recently, um, you know, maybe five years ago, I got my clarinet back from my brother, who's a woodwind player. I had given it to him, and because uh, uh, Scott wanted me to play clarinet on this uh on a on a couple of tunes and i bought some reeds and got the clarinet and squeaked a couple of times but then it came right back to me and i just had so much fun with it at that show yeah so how long did did it take just a couple of days did it take a couple of weeks before you got no no i mean it the, the, i am uh, let me t- let me rephrase my tone is what um came back really quick when i think about a good clarinet. Like if I had a crappy tone, I would not even be playing that instrument. It's, it's painful. Um, so, uh, the embouchure, you know, you, you get the embouchure back. You remember, you know, the, it's muscle memory. 
I mean, it came back pretty quick. Uh, um, uh, now, technically proficient with, uh, you know, scales and, and just the fingerings. Uh, that's That um, came back pretty quick, too, but um, that's, uh, that's going to take more work uh, to do fancy stuff. You know, I can do some slow things, and but I can't do uh, – I'm not, I'm not going to be a – Playing it with a symphony anytime soon. <laughs> leave it at that. Or doing, yeah, solo uh, clarinet and piano concertos, something like that. Now, what got you to um, pursue clarinet as a, was it just clarinet as a major or was it um, music in general? Yeah. In uh, um, what you are you asking what when I first started playing clarinet what got me to play clarinet no when you went, when you went to college to major in yeah because i um I just had expelled so much um and I loved music um and I you know wanted to do something with music I played uh you know clarinet um but I also did every uh vocal ensemble that existed in my high school and there's a lot of them um so I, I wasn't going to go to college to sing. Um, you know, I'd be lucky to even get a job uh, graduating as a clarinet performance major. Um, I wasn't even doing education. I was doing performance because <laughs> I was going to, you know, I had dreams, dreams of, uh, uh, you know, working, maybe you know, playing with a military band. A symphony would, would be wonderful, but military bands are always good to get into. Um, yeah. And then, like I said, unfortunately, I had to, I had to drop out. Um, but yeah, I think it was just a love of music, um, and clarinet was something I I was good at, and then I found that I was good at something else. Now, and again, I am not a clarinet player. I'm not a sax player. I I owned a sax. Well, my I owned it. My young son, or now my 34 year old son, played it <laughs> in his middle school years. But the uh, can a clarinet player easily transition to saxophone, or is it not the same? Other than the fact that you're lifting little pads and things like that, yeah, I think it's um no, I mean my my um I think the clarinet uh, is probably a, a more difficult instrument embouchure wise. Uh, you have a very relaxed embouchure with a saxophone, um, so uh, and you can get away, I think, with the saxophone with having more vibrato than you would a clarinet. Um, so for that reason, I think the sax might be easier. Um, uh, but my brother, you know, transitioned uh, to clarinet, you know, pretty well. But he also plays jazz clarinet. <laughs> but he had, you know, he had to learn all the classics. Uh, it's the best way to be trained is, you know, learning all of those rudimentary uh, scales and all that. But um, I I just didn't like the clarinet, but I mean the saxophone, but I, you know, I could play it. I, I just didn't, you know, learn to read music on the sax or learn the uh, notes on the sax, but I could certainly uh, make sound out of it. Yeah. Now what causes the, especially when someone's beginning to play the, the clarinet is that they're playing along and all of a sudden you get that really high squeak. Yeah. <laughs> that, that happens now. <laughs> <laughs> it still does. It's, uh, um, yeah. Uh, uh, I have to um, be careful. I've got a lot of neighbors that are um, can hear me through the walls. I live in a condo. Well, is it is it the and and what do, what do you call that? It starts with an A. Amateur? No, what do you call it? Um, not sure. Well, no. When you play the clarinet, you said it came back really quickly. The oh, the muscle memory, the uh, embouchure. Embouchure. Oh, embouchure. Yes, the embouchure is just how um, basically how your mouth. Uh, uh, 
you know, the tightness of it, um, uh, the uh, you know, looseness, um, and how you're breathing. Um, with Amishur is more with your mouth, and um, you know, if you tighten up too much, you're probably going to squeak. And it's just a matter okay. of finding this balance between, uh, um, you know, uh, just not not being too loose, but then. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I tell you, if you had asked a clarinet player who has been playing for years, they could describe it much better, but it has, it all has to do with, you know, um, being comfortable uh, with the instrument, I would imagine. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and yeah, and I, you know, squeaking is, um, part of learning. You're going to squeak. Yep. Well, you're very comfortable on the guitar and I don't, I think I've always seen you play a six string. Have you ever played a 12 string? Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like. I don't even like the sound of a twelve string. I just it always sounds too tinty mm-hmm. to me. I've just never heard a, a, a twelve string that I like the sound of. Um, I mean, it works on some songs, um, but uh, you know, I think it would, might be okay to play it. Hey, I'm going to play my twelve string on this song because it really lends itself. I just don't like the twelve string. Um, and playing it, um, I, I, I always felt like my fingers weren't fat enough. Um, but I think that was just something I made up in my head. Uh, but yeah, it certainly feels different, but I don't like the sound of it. Um, it to me, it's a wonderful instrument as used as an accent. Perfect. Yeah, I, I, I would completely agree. Um, that's like the uh, harmonizer that yes. I use in my shows now. You don't want to use it too much, but it, it, it adds, you know, a uh, different sort of feel and layer to a song here and there, just not overused. Now, when you sing in an ensemble or you play in an ensemble where you're one of the singers, mm. do you prefer to be the lead vocal or the harmony vocal? To prefer? Was, the, um, was that what you asked? Yes. Do you prefer to oh be the... Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I would uh, be harmony in a second. Um, much, much prefer to be harmony in an ensemble. I'll certainly sing lead, but I... I, I just love harmonizing. Um, and I think I have a good ear for it. And, um, yeah, I just, I love it. Um, love it, love it, love it. <laughs> well, that, that was my follow up question and you, you, for the most part answered it. And since you studied music, mm. can you, can you imagine before you sing, well, they're singing that, okay, a third above is this and just come out with it. Or is it more of just a, it, organic feel to you totally organic yeah. like i don't even have to think about it. it just comes out you know i can hear uh somebody singing a melody and within you know 15 seconds i'm, I'm backing them up on that second verse um just it's just I, I just hear it it's i you know i almost hear it before i hear the melody <laughs> um i it, i just go straight to it and i think it's um i've met people like that and i'm actually working with somebody who just uh, it doesn't come naturally, and it's uh, it's really laborious for her to learn it. She wants to, and she eventually gets it, but I think it just comes naturally to some and not others. Um, Is it easier on some songs than others? Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, some some. Uh, I think it's important too not to be too simple. You know, just hear, singing a third above the whole time. It's fun to find different lines. Um, you know, singing perhaps below, and I've got a pretty low voice, so sometimes I can go below um, the melody, and then it's always fun to cross over and then go higher. Um, but but yeah, some songs are certainly uh, uh, easier than others. Um, so when I have to learn harmonies, I just um, I live with it in my car. 
um, you know, I'll just ride with it for a week until I get it down. Um, if I have to learn it for something and I'm talking about the more difficult ones, but right. yeah. I mean, finding it on the spot is probably different than remembering it for the performance. Is that, am I correct in that? Or is it, uh, once you find it, you've pretty much got it. I think so. I think it just, I think it, yeah, I think you just hear it. And, um, uh, yeah, I think it's, yes, I don't even know how to answer that question, except that I, it's, it's different when you're first hearing it. Um, it's certainly going to be better when you're performing it. Um, and sometimes I think, uh, it always ends up less is more, you know, with harmony, I think. And you might be singing in the beginning through the whole song and then realize, Hey, I really don't need to sing here. Um, so I think uh, it's one, uh, one important thing I'm learning about harmony is less is more, certainly in volume, but as well as um, where you're singing. Well, it's interesting that you brought up the fact that sometimes you go below instead of just mm-hmm. singing, you know, above the, the notes. The I always loved, well, I'm, I'm a big Beatle, especially early Beatles, and mm. their harmonies were so good. And yeah. it struck me when I tried to, I don't know, this was back in, gosh, the 19... 70s maybe early 1980s and i was thinking gosh this and i was singing with a friend and we we were doing one of the more obscure beatles songs from their early period of time and i was trying to come up with the harmony and i kept getting it didn't sound the same until i realized listening to the song that john lennon was singing below Mm -hmm. he wasn't because in my uneducated ear harmony was always above ah so you ended up confusing the melody? Yeah, yeah, I'd be I'd, I'd be trying <laughs> to find a note that was higher than whatever the lead singer's singing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get it. And that's where because when you was it the California Dream song where you when everyone came out mm-hmm. sang a cappella. I can't remember the song. But it was in mm. the harmony. Oh, uh, it was the Eagles tune. Yes, but there the, are Seven Bridges Road. Yes, but the harmony in that was the way you folks did it was breathtaking. Mm, that was pretty. I remember that. And there are some great low harmonies on that one. And so, and the lines that move on that song, I love it. Mm, yeah. Now, was that Good difficult stuff. to put together with the with the different singers, or you know, oh yes, that's the part you take, you take that, and then just keep doing it until you get it down. Yeah, I think it's um, you have to get to I think know um, the people that you're singing with and just sort of know um, what their capabilities are their you know um, what they're if they're more natural or you know might you know need a little bit more help um, but I think I, with all of our groups we I'm, we really didn't have a lot of problem um, a lot of times you will sing you know we'll be singing the same note maybe an octave difference um, or you know, kind of fighting over, I want to play the third and you sing the fifth and, (laughs) um, and just, yeah, I mean, yeah. So it's difficult in the beginning. Um, and I think, uh, you know, sometimes people, uh, it was hard to get, you know, that many people together for regular rehearsals. So, um, you know, some of it was, uh, you know, not, not rehearsed a lot. Um, and I still think it came out okay, but, uh, you know, as, as long as you're singing relatively in tune um, and you, you're you singing the right harmony, it doesn't matter which harmony you're singing, it's going to sound good. 
<laughs> and the but, yeah. and the average listener in the audience doesn't care as long as it's fun. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, we're all, we're all more concerned and worried about it than you know, they're never going to hear it, but uh uh but yeah, I would say um uh, that uh, Catherine and I are, um, her last name is escaping me, Catherine Ott. Sam Ott. Hello. Yes, Catherine Ott is somebody that I just, we connect um, vocally uh, pretty quick. Like, I, you know, she, she has a lower voice too, but um, I always tended to sing a lower harmony. Um, so we just, we always click in pretty easily when we're doing harmonies. So she um, is a very easy person to sing with. She is, she is. And she's a, uh, I love the two of them. They're 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 good people, and um, I'm fortunate to know them and get to sing with them sometimes. Well, let's them. let's talk about songwriting, mm. because the I've read some things on your website and other people who say you are acutely observant and self-reflective in the way you write lyrics and put songs together. The how do you go about writing songs? Is there a formula for you or is it purely just when the inspiration hits it hits how do you go about it yeah I, i'm such a complicated question because <laughs> uh, for some people it's so cut and dry and so black and white and it's not for me i think it's um uh, i think i think everyone is different uh um, every song is born uh different i'm uh, um i generally um will you know, get an idea um, by just by any any uh, anything something that moves me. If it really moves me, then when I start thinking more about it, and then I think, wow, I want to turn that into a song because that's that's very moving. Um, and then, but I might not do anything with it for a long time, <laughs> um, and I might uh, just come up with a with a chorus, uh, just a really catchy chorus. Um, so, you know, I think actually sometimes a verse comes first, but uh, with, in regards to the music, um, I have so many uh, licks that I have recorded. Like, ah, this is going to be a really good song lick one day. It's going to be a great catch. So um, when I'm looking for a tune, I just go and listen to all of these things. There were, I've, you know, probably 40 recordings of just playing, noodling around in the guitar. And it's like, that's going to make a really good song. Um so that, and then, then the marriage happens, you know, <laughs> and then I just have to write more verses. Does that um, explain? It does. And when you say you've got about 40 recordings of licks, how do you mm -hmm. record those? Do you have like a little mini recorder? A tablet. A tablet? A tablet, yeah. And uh, I'm, it's funny. I always think that I'm going to run out of room, but I don't, or it's going to, you know, tell me I have to delete some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a, yeah, it's a Samsung uh tablet and i just record I have so many recordings of uh, me just playing around a guitar and how that happens is you know i'm just playing around guitar it's like oh i like that let me grab my tablet so it's not like i just record you know nothing or noodling and uh, i have to i have to you know come up with something that i think is good and then i'll start um and i might be humming in there a little bit and uh yeah and then i start searching through the words some words that i've written or uh or just whatever that uh, thing that moved me is swimming around in my head, start putting it down on paper. Um, we're really lucky to have so many, um, you know, ways to be able to record ourselves these days because I, I come up with gems sometimes and I lose them. Um, well, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't yes. save it, you know? Well, and the fact that you record it on your tablet, on your tablet. 
I mean, our iPhones or whichever kind of phone we mm -hmm. have, um, our tablets. There's so many ways to record, and I forget that. And right. so many, so often, sometimes in late evening, I'll come up with something, whether it's a, a, a lyric or a melody or a guitar part or all three, mm -hmm. and I'll play it over and over again, like 20, 30 times ago. Okay, I need to remember this. So tomorrow morning when I wake up and I get up the next morning and it's not there. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, there's no way I'm going to forget this. It's right. so good. I'm not going to forget it. <laughs> oh, that's funny, Todd. <laughs> Yeah, I've done that a number of times. Yeah, yep. I'm, I'm trying to remember, trying to remember the, um, and, and I'm getting a little echo, which is interesting because my mixer is supposed to keep that from happening. I don't know if you can hear it or not. I wonder if it's because I brought my tablet near my phone. Ah, that's what it is. Like each other. That's yeah. what it Sorry, is. So I just got rid of it. The I had learned, gosh, this must be 10 years ago, that bands were having, some bands were having problems with hum or, you know, noise in their PA system, ground loop or whatever they call it. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't get rid of it, couldn't get rid of it. And I spoke to a professional sound engineer one time and I said, how do you get rid of that stuff? He says, well, the first thing is you ask somebody if they put their phone on their amp. Ah. <laughs> I said, well, what's that do? He goes, it sometimes messes it up and you get a ground hum, you know. So yeah. that makes sense. You brought your tablet. They're, they're fighting for the airspace, I guess, is really what it is. Yes. Yep. That's exactly what it is. The um, I had a, a thought there that I was going to bring up, and now I've, I've I've forgotten it, just like the songs. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a uh, it's addictive. It, it jumps in there, it really does. <clears throat> now, what do you attribute the the inspiration of the last? You said you've written a lot of songs. You need to come out with an EP. Is it because? Mm -hmm of our social distancing and self-quarantining, you've had more time and less other things to worry about or think about. So you, the, your, your brain has had this open space that you can now do. What do you attribute that to? Yeah, I think it's, um, I think it was uh, definitely the quarantine and having a little bit more time on my hands being at home, you know, I was still working, but you know, I wasn't going out, um, you know, um, early on more so. Um, and I think it was you know, just for peace of mind, you know, I had to, I had to do something to keep myself occupied, um, for mental health reasons. Mm -hmm. So I played a lot of guitar and, you know, the songs are going to, if you're playing, the songs are going to come out, you know, um, and learning other people's songs, you know, learned a lot of different covers, um, and then, you know, eventually, uh, actually pretty early on started doing these uh, song du jours on the Facebook platform, um, uh, and got a lot of really great feedback on that. So that sort of inspired me to write more, um, these, uh, women that I met at the beginning of the year, uh, for, uh, this group that we were going to start, um, uh, sort of a collaboration of different women songwriters, um, and then, uh, COVID hit. So we sort of put our brakes on, but, uh, I, they've inspired me to write because there's some really good songwriters. Um, uh, but I think just um, some boredom and, um, uh, you know, and then everything, uh, you know, uh, everything that has made um, you think more about um, how fortunate we are, yes. you know, how much uh, needing to live the one day at a time. Uh, is so um, imperative through this because you can't live because we don't know it's so uncertain. Um, so just forcing yourself uh, to stay busy and um, writing the songs 
Um, and also, you know, maybe I actually wrote a song, um, was sort of a funny song at first, but it got serious about, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we needed to be home, you know, more um, and maybe be a little less unplugged and, you know, spend more time outside. I don't know about you, but the outside seems so much more crisper. My, you know? my wife, Carol, mentioned that last night we were on a bike ride and she goes, doesn't the air feel softer now? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. She was absolutely right. I mean, it was a glorious day, but mm -hmm. she was absolutely correct. And I live in a neighborhood, lots of families, all age ranges. And mm -hmm. these past six or eight weeks on nice days, and even on some days which weren't that nice, you know, misty rain, whatever, I have never seen that many people walking, riding bikes, right. kids playing outside. It's been wonderful in that regard. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, Unfortunately, you can, you know, be distanced uh, more outside and um, not not nearly as worry about it. But I was talking to with a friend of mine. It's like, you know, it does seem more crisp and I'm, I'm hearing differently. And, you know, it's it was just that we just weren't noticing before. And that saddens me. Um, but it could be some, you know, some truth to that. But, you know, I certainly don't have uh, the uh, exhaust in the air the way we did <laughs> before. I think, you know, Mother Nature's really happy to have you know, less cars on the road. And um, yeah, things are um, interesting in regards to. Well, let's, uh, let's talk outside. about famous people now. If you had the chance to either sing with or perform with someone who's what we would call famous or someone who you just idolize or whatever, name two or three people that you would just jump at the chance to perform with. Whether uh, whether yeah. it's singing harmony or playing guitar and singing with them or whatever. Yeah, I would say um, uh, certainly Brandy Carlisle. Um, I would love to sing uh, uh, "Close Your Eyes" with James Taylor. Mm -hmm. Oh man, I would love to sing harmony with that man. <laughs> uh, that's been a dream of mine forever. Um, and I think Mary Chapin Carpenter because um, she was a a big part of my uh, starting to play um, play guitar in public. Um, her, her one of her first records, um, I learned like every song on the record, uh, and that's what got me. And so I, I just loved her, um, especially her first record, but um, always singing harmonies to that. So I think it'd be neat. And I, I sing her a lot online these days. She's posting songs from her home, and I'm singing harmony in the background. <laughs> <laughs> So you just send her an invite, like, hey, you want to sing? You know, I sang with, um, the fellow's name is Elliot Bronson. He, used to, he came from Baltimore. Oh, yeah. And, I remember Elliot. Yeah, terrific singer-songwriter. Um, humbling when I shared the stage with him at a little coffee house in Westminster. And we, you know, I would sing two songs, then he would sing two songs. We did the whole night like that. Mm -hmm. And I remember there was this group of women playing cards or doing something across the room. And the room was so tiny. I mean, they were almost right in front mm -hmm. of you. And I'd be singing, and once in a great while, one would look over the shoulder at me. And it took me two rotations to realize that when he started singing, all three, all four stopped doing what they were doing and all looked at him and listened through his entire performance. And then when I got up, they went right back to playing whatever they were doing. <laughs> but Tom, our good friend Tommy one M. Wright said to me, because I mentioned we were at Snafu or something, and I said, oh, yeah, I, you know, I shared the stage with Elliot Bronson. And at that point in time, we all thought he was the god. Mm -hmm. locally. And Tommy says, 
well, how did you get the chance to play with him? I said, I asked him if he'd like to play. Right. And he said, yes. So going to Mary Chapin Carpenter, you can yeah. reach out. She might go, sure. Yeah, exactly. You would need to, uh, yeah, absolutely. Why and she, not? And she, um, and she might be telling all of her friends, you'll never guess, I'm going to get to sing with Michelle Swan. <laughs> now, that's funny. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, what harms I'd say. Just tell her about what what I just said to you, how I listened to that one record until it uh yeah, until I was blue in the face listening to that record over and over and playing those songs. So yeah. I should tell her that story and uh maybe she'll maybe she'll say yes. You never know. Well before but, we go, tell me what lies ahead for you once we get out of this COVID kind of social distancing world and back to what we would hopefully refer to as the 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 old normal or the new normal or just normal what do you see future-wise musically for you musically um you know um i don't uh seem to have the drive that uh some of my colleagues do in regards to sort of promoting themselves and um and uh you know, there's so much that you can do these days. And I, and I think maybe it's that I'm not a, a big tech person, um, but I just want to keep playing. That's, I mean, that my goal is if I can play, you know, two or three times a month, um, uh, you know, out and shows and then uh, start playing more with people. I think that's something that I really, really want to focus on once this, uh, uh, I'd like to say ends. And I think it will um, in some, some regard soon, but sing more with other people. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just keep writing. Um, and I, I just, I, I won't, I don't want to stop playing. I think I will be on the stage, you know, and I'll be 75 or 80 and someone will come up to me and it'll be a friend that I said, please tell me one day, if I need to stop singing, just please tell me. <laughs> <laughs> they'll be like, Michelle, I think it's time probably to stop singing now. And I'll go, okay, that was good. And then, you know, and then I'll just play at home. But, yeah. uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I anticipate, um, playing uh out at um you know coffee places whatever for you know years to come i i love it so much and i love the collaboration and uh, the uh, memories that uh and the people that i've met um on this journey the musicians i've met uh you being one of them well i look forward to seeing you and hearing you in person sometime soon and it's been wonderful catching up with you and, and learning things about you that i did not know yeah thanks todd it's a uh, um, it's been quite a journey and I'm more than happy to share a little bit of it with you. And, uh, uh, I do hope that you stay safe and I look forward to seeing you again soon. All right. And before you go, tell people what your website address is. Yeah, it is, uh, michelleswan.net. Um, and then, uh, you can certainly find me on Facebook. I've got a YouTube page. Um, but yeah, check it out. And, uh, you can listen to, um, you know, all of my songs on pretty much all of those platforms, and uh, I would love for you to, uh, to, to buy a CD. Um, so they, they still make them, and I got some. <laughs> I prefer owning CDs. I do, you know, <laughs> download the music onto my computer, but I prefer to have the CD, the physical CD, to be able to take from my office to the living room and put into the CD player. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sort of old school that way, yeah. <laughs> so I am going to order one of your CDs, the, the new ones. Now, is it titled What I Feel or I Feel? It's just called I Feel. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I wish you the best. 
And as well. this show will be aired very shortly, like within a half hour, 45 minutes from the time you and I hang up. So I hope you okay. enjoy it. I've had a great time. Thank you. And thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, Michelle. Talk to you soon, I hope. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was Michelle Swan talking about her musical journey, her guitars, her way of songwriting, clarinet, and lots of other things. Wonderful conversation. She's a sweet lady, and I look forward to seeing her again soon. You're going to be listening to her song, Without Love, from her 2004 CD, What I Got, as the outro. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. She drives the highway from work to go home By the Friday night she'll spend it alone Invitations are blinking on the phone She declined her love runs cold Best off on her own Without love She pulls excuses from hearts and from speed Says I'm sorry but I don't think I'm free Skates around prospective loved wannabes Can't be bothered with such chat Fantasy, so she'll be Without love you black the sunlight to your soul With it heart needs time to heal but love to grow But her love is broke, her heart's a frozen stone So she goes without love With a broken heart she cannot endure And to break someone else's hurts more So she'll spend her nights cuddling her five stray cats On her oversized bed in a one-room walk-up flat Without love The Wispy Bump Music Acoustic Radio Podcast Series is produced by Todd C. Walker at the Wispy Bump Music Studio in Frederick, Maryland. All music on the podcast is played by permission from the artist. If you're enjoying the series, please feel free to share the link wispymopmusic.podbean.com and podbean is spelled p-o-d-b-e-a-n so wispymopmusic.podbean.com or you can find the show on either iTunes or Apple Podcasts thanks again so she without love She dreams of love and affection From folks with no faces, no names She'd like to take a chance and put away the past But her dreams turn to fearing the same old, same old, same So she'll stay without love She can't go live without it Gotta have it, it's a need She knows deep down She can't go and live without it Gotta have it
but it's a need that she can't be without. Without love, you blight the sunlight to your soul. Withered heart needs time to heal, but love to grow. Without love, you feel the half and half the whole. But her love is broke, her hearts are frozen, hearts are frozen, so